This is the truth of the matter is. Myself and Jonathan want to start off by first recognizing and appreciating all of our consistent listeners. We thank you all in advance for continuing to give us a listen. And also, myself and Jonathan wanted to give you a warm welcome to all of our new listeners. Whether you only listen to just one episode or many more after that, we thank you for checking us out. And we are truly, truly grateful for you giving us a shot. I am your host, Daniel, and this is episode number 21. Jonathan, how are you? I'm doing fine. You know, thanks for asking. How about you? Feeling a little uh, tired. Yeah? Mm. So what do you usually do when you're tired? Well, you know me. I I take naps for the most part or do some reading and see if I could get some sleep afterwards. But if it's during the work week, you know, I just push through it. But the weekends are usually my time to catch up on sleep. Because as you know, Mm. uh, working hard during the week. I feel you. You know, one thing that I think a lot of people underestimate is the beauty of power napping. I remember Mm. I used to do that when I used to work long hours. Sure. You know, you just put your feet up for about 8 to 10 minutes, get in a quick power nap, and then next thing you know, you got enough energy to carry out another three, four hours. It's, It's truly common. Yeah. Let's also keep in mind, right, you know, it's definitely turned into hoodie weather for sure. Oh, yeah. But honestly, sure. you know, I don't mind it. You know, it's about that time things are changing, you know. And I think without question, when you start hearing people sniffling, you know what's going on, right? That there's a sign that the weather has changed. Yeah, you know, I really love wearing bomber jackets. So, mm. What's a bomber jacket? Uh, you know the green Alpha Industry jacket I have that you always see me wearing. Oh, okay, okay. It seems almost like a varsity jacket. Yeah, the one with the patches and stuff on it. Anything with patches, I love. But pair that out with a good hoodie, and you know, I'm I'm good to go for the rest of the fall and even a little bit of the winter. So, so I it, mean, what does it do? Does it keep the air from coming underneath through you, like, or it's just a good light jacket? Nah, it definitely keeps the air out, and also like it's just a cool style statement for me. You know, it makes gotcha. you feel like a ball. And then you could pair it up with like a hoodie or like a crew neck or just, you know, even a good t-shirt underneath and you, know, you stay warm most of the time. Got you. The only concern I have about those t- sort of jackets is your neck is all open. And, you know, when I hear hit your neck constantly, I believe that's how you sort of get sick. I mean, do you have that experience or not really? And now, nah, because you see, that's why I paired up with the Nike Tech. So my next day is warm all the time, and then I can wear like a, a scully or something, or a beanie. Okay. However, you know, you want to pair them up, and yeah, you stay cool all winter. All right. But um, on to the New York version of it is getting brick out here. So <laughs> mm. I'm definitely like uh, it's funny because in the mornings it's really cold. But then during the afternoon, it feels like it's summertime. And then back at night, then it actually feels like fall. So it's, it has been, the weather's been kind of strange. Yeah, it's that bipolar weather. Speaking of signs, do you remember the Martin Lawrence and comedy special on Stars? 
Yeah, that used to be my thing. I, you know, when we were younger, I used to watch that. You know, it was pretty good. Okay, so you obviously you remember the set when the guy said that he has no TV. So in order mm-hmm. to know how to dress appropriately, he will open his blinds, peek out the window, and watch people go by. And based upon their expressions on their face, he would determine what to wear. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was funny at the time. So, so yeah, we used to have this conversation about bomber jackets and everything else under the sun, about it being brick outside. That's what I thought of. And you say you got to look at the signs. But anyway, yeah, moving forward, right? Moving along. What do you have mm-hmm. in mind for us today? Well, as we continue with the book of Luke, there are some things that are need to know things, which as an aside is for your own personal knowledge. Right. So while there are parts of the scripture that has more to do with the story itself and less of how it relates to your personal life from a practical standpoint, you know, we're going to take a look at some truths from Jesus, you know, that I believe are profound. Mm, Okay. How about you give the listeners an example of what you mean by need to know things? Uh, yeah, sure. So, but first, you know, I think I need to mention this verse once again. You know, I've brought it up numerous times before. And I think it's a extremely important verse. So, because you read Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 9, and we're going to take a look at it in the Amplified Version. Ask and keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock, and keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who keeps on asking receives, and he who keeps on seeking finds, and to him who keeps on knocking, it will be opened. Yeah, so for all the consistent listeners and new listeners, I want you to remember, if there's nothing else I ever say, I at least want you to keep this in mind, right? That the truth is reserved to those who search for God, right? Let me repeat that. The truth is reserved to those who search for God. He's a God that must be revealed, right? So there was an episode we did a while back and I spoke about how, you know, God is in science and God, you know, the study of science is basically the study of what God has created. But more importantly, what I want people to understand is that trying to prove God does not work around the parameters of what he set forward for us to communicate with him. So when you look for God, he will be found. But you have to do do it through the operation of faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. And now on that note, let me provide an example in regards to truths that are reserved for your own prior knowledge and information from within for yourself right so let's look at luke chapter 6 verse 13 through 16 it says when morning came he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them who he also designated apostles simon who he named peter his brother andrew james john philip bartholomew matthew thomas James, son of Ezekias, Simon, who he called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, Judas Iscariot, who later became a traitor. So the reason why I label this as something as need to know things is, as an aside, your own personal knowledge is because knowing the 12 disciples, I would think, is important, right? Knowing who Jesus selected as his disciples as a point of revelance 
even down to selecting a traitor, a devil, as part of his 12 is important. When you look closely, right, one of the things you notice is that Jesus changes Simon's name to Peter. Now, me being a curious individual, I might want to know why. So, again, using these verses in the right context, remember what it says in Matthew. Daniel, could you remind the people? Seek and keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock, keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. So remember, as believers, if you are curious about a meaning to a text, right, start seeking. Don't just read and ignore, but be a detective. Try to find out why. That's how you become an active reader of scripture, active reader in anything, right, even in school. So you should be obviously looking for the things that I've mentioned previously in several episodes, and that's for patterns, principles, and precepts. Making notes of certain things so that you can refer back to it. Reading so that you understand instead of going through the motions. All right. So I'm going to read two more of the, the scriptures in relation to the 12 disciples. And I'm trying to just show you the different variations, but how they're all pointing to the same thing. So if I look in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3, verse 16 and 19, it says, These are the 12 he appointed. Simon, who he gave name Peter, James, son of Zechariah, so that's a change. His brother John, to them he gave the name Bonagus, which means son of thunder. That's a change that has to do with the variations and the importance. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Zechariah, Thaddeus, Simon, the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. And then lastly, let's look at Matthew 10, verse 2 through 4. These are the names of the 12 apostles first. Simon, who he called Peter, his brother Andrew, James, son of Zechariah, his brother John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector. See, that's a different variation. That's how I know him by tax collector. Yeah. <laughs> James, son of Zechariah, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas Scary, who betrayed him. So an interesting thing that I've noticed when it came to reading the Gospels is that the full list of the disciples isn't mentioned in the Gospel of John. So what does that mean, right? The question becomes why? Why isn't? Is there a reason? Maybe, maybe not. So the point is when you study, make notes, look for differences and similarities. So how about some prayer? Yeah, sure. But you know what? How about you pray for us to start, right? It's been a while. So how about you take the lead here? Me? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Well, everyone bow your heads, find some energy, do what you do. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for grace and mercy. And we ask for guidance, direction, and truth. We ask for insight into your word. Let us be wise and not fools. Let us be humble and not arrogant. Please open the eyes, ears, hearts, minds of all of our listeners. We say these things in Jesus' name we pray, and everyone in agreement says, Amen. Amen. Good job. You know now, how short that was? Say it one more time. You see how short that was? Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> right? That's the model now. So for every time we pray, you're, you're the model. You're all the right. model. All right. All right. All right. So... I would like to look into the reason why Jesus changed Simon's name to Peter, right? So 
I'm sort of giving you an outline of how sometimes when you read stuff, you're highlighting it. Just like there has to be a significant reason why he changed his name. So for starters, right, a stone or a rock in a Bible is a metaphor for the truth. And we will get to what the truth is later on. Now, there are many examples of this in the Old Testament and also in the New. But of course, we got to look in the history of certain things. And historically, when we look at the changes of name, it usually is meant as a sign for a bigger purpose in a positive sense, right? Or also a negative sense. But when we look at it from a biblical sense, we find first that we have to understand when God has changed a person's name and gave him or her a new name, it usually is to establish a new identity. Now, obviously, there are worldly examples such as the famous Malcolm X. And anyone knows it was in jail that Malcolm X first encountered the teachings of Elijah Muhammad, head in the lost and found nation of Islam or the black Muslims, right? Depends who you talk to about that. And they were known as a black nationalist group that identified white people as the devil, right? This is all in relation to our ideologies, right? Soon after, Malcolm adopted the last name X. He used it to represent his rejection of his slave name. Now, another example is based on a true story, and there's many like it that, you know, never make it to the light of day or never on the films in Hollywood. But there was a movie called Roots, and I'm pretty sure, Dane, you remember that because we watched it plenty <laughs> of times when we were young, yeah. right? And one of the things we noticed is that one of the main characters' name was Kuta Kente. But in the movie, what you find is that he's sold into slavery, and he's whipped, and they change his name to Toby. Now, I just want to put an emphasis out there that Obviously, the changes of name in the historical sense and the worldly examples point to the fact that a lot of reasons why names were changed is because some of them were slaves. They were known as property, not individuals. And obviously, we know in the biblical sense, we are all created in God's image. And because we're all created in God's image, none of us should be treated as property. Now, I'm not going to defend, but I will point out the hypocrisy of those who claim to say they were in relations with God in relations and serving Christ, but yet had slaves, right? None of that is consistent in the message of the gospel. But what we do understand is that a lot of people who even want to trace back their ancestry find that a lot of the names that they have currently is in relation to them being on the plantation and being in relation to the name that was given to them by the slave owner, because, again, they were known as property. And, you know, in my experience in college, I've met professors, right? One of them who still teaches there, I took a class in African Studies, and he talked about how he changed his name to Equo. And, you know, a lot of people change their name because they understand in the history element that their names are not really names that are afforded to who they claim or they want to be or it's afforded to a slave you know so i want to make sure i'd acknowledge that point that out and it was a professor i also know that she decided to put an x in front of it as well so you know they're embracing their africana history and you know they're embracing the elements of acknowledging that they want to be more associated with their roots 
and they don't want to be associated with this slave name. So they have every route to go and change their name. But I do understand that there's a huge process in going about changing the name. So before we continue, any thoughts you have about the whole name being changed from a historical standpoint and history and slavery, Daniel? Well, I can only give my own personal view of it. And okay. I feel like I don't think names are that important, honestly. Now that I think about it, most people don't even call by their names. It's just once you establish um, some type of um, You sure about that? Even last names. The yeah. scripture does talk about last names are worth more than gold because it, it has to do with your legacy and whatnot. I just don't place that much importance on it because I see names as labels almost. Oh, okay. I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah. And it's like. The name is just, for me, it's just a name. It doesn't really carry a bigger impact or anything like that. I think of more of the type of people we are rather than names. So I don't, I don't attribute much to them. Okay. So let's view the changing of names from a biblical context. So it's, again, we want to relate it back to scripture. But from a biblical context, God changes Abram's name meaning high father to Abraham, right? Meaning the father of multitude, mm. right? And anyone who wants to check that out, you can look in Genesis 17, 5 for confirmation. God also changed Abraham's wife, some Sarah, meaning my princess to Sarah, meaning mother of nations. Confirmation again is in Genesis 17, 5. God changed Jacob's name, which meant supplanter to Israel, which means having power with God. Anyone can check out the confirmation in Genesis 32, 28. Saul, right? Name was changed to Paul, which means humble, small. There are several different theories behind that as well, but we won't be covering that. And Jesus is known as a stone. The builders rejected. He is the chief cornerstone upon which the church is built. He foreknew what Simon would receive, which was revelation of the truth. And so he named him after that. So we're getting more into the deep elements of the change of Paul of Peter's name from Simon to Peter. Right. So I want to point out that Cephas or stone slash rock is when Jesus asked the disciples. Who do they say I am? So this is a text in the scripture where after Jesus has been seen and doing various miracles. He's talking to his disciples and he's like, well, based upon the popular view, who do they say I am? And if you follow along, it was Peter that said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And that's why Jesus says that the flesh and blood had not revealed that to you, but the father. And on that rock, which means truth, Jesus would build his church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So, you know, all believers who come to Christ experience that same very thing, right? The Father reveals the truth to them. That Jesus is the Christ and the Son of the living God. One of the things I mentioned earlier is that, according to the Nation of Islam, they believe that Elijah Muhammad, you know, is one of the prophets. And they believe that Allah is the true God. Right. So I'm just showing you the differences in regards to the conclusions that came about how 
you know, some people came to different conclusions and that's why we have a huge difference. And the biggest thing is we have to know and believe that it was Jesus who was the one and only true God. And again, I've made this point on several levels is that he proclaimed that he is the only way, the only truth and the light. And no one comes to the father except through him. So again, we know that will be tested in the end. So the proclamation that Jesus declares when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father but by me is not accepting and is not believing what he declares to be true. So when we dig even deeper, right? During the Tower of Babel, which is a story in Genesis, the ancient Hebrew account specifically said, Instead of building the tower with stone, which is godly truth, right? Question, so I'm showing you the example. Question. That's the story where Jesus came down, confused the languages of the, the people of Babel, right? Not Jesus, but God. He God, sort God, of yeah. looked at them from the top. No, but Jesus doesn't necessarily make his appearance as Jesus until it's born. But he's known to make an appearance with during Abraham's day. He's known to make an appearance as a king. So there's like different portions in the story that point to Jesus making an entrance, right? Mm -hmm. And if we go to Proverbs chapter 7, it talks about one of the main things is that he was with the Father at the creation of the world. Some translations will tell you that Jesus was created. And in fact, Jesus was present when all things were created, right? And this is one of the things that I spoke about, about the Bible not being written in order. Just because it says in the beginning doesn't mean that in the beginning that's how it happened. It's more along the lines of the fact that Jesus was present during all these different things. But when we read in First John, it says that he appeared to destroy the devil's work. So he made a personal appearance for the expectation to destroy what the devil had been doing. So we'll have to get into that another time. But yeah, you're absolutely right. The Tower of Babel has a lot to do with God looking at mankind, trying to expand their knowledge and insight of trying to build this tower to the heavens. But what God did was confuse the languages because they were trying to operate just based upon their knowledge and moving away from God and his establishment and what he wanted to do. So okay. it shows them separating themselves. So you're right about that. But one of the specific things I want to point to is that, right, and based upon the Hebrew, the Hebrew account specifically, it says that instead of building a tower with stone, which is godly truth, they built it with man-made brick, which is subjectively true, which, you know, in my opinion, is a harvest of a harvest of confusion and failure because stone is God-made truth, brick which is man-made imitation of stone and is a representation of subjective truth, falseness, and untruth, the tower was a sign of their social and their house, their society and their house, which failed because it was founded on their own subjective definition of truth, mm. right? And this is like looking into the imagery and understanding the significance of what it represents, right? When we dig in deeper into scripture. So again, yeah, God saw the substance of their efforts, the direction of their future was founded on their own definition of truth. And he was allowing it to exist willfully, which is what goes on now. The reason why we have many different gods and a lot of people serve different gods is because God allows it. 
still allows the hypocrisy, the lies to exist, to be present. Because he's comfortable within himself and he knows that he's the one and only true God. And there are portions even in the Old Testament of Scripture dealing with Elijah that one of the things that they that he does is there's a competition to set and create a fire and you get the concept of sacrificing yourself and making decisions into your skin as a sign to call on their gods. And I never forget that Elijah was basically mocking those individuals to call on their gods. And you know what was crazy? They could never set the fire, right? And that's an old testament story. We'll have to get in that to that another time. But again, if we are being honest, right, in regards to what the Tower of Babel represents, a lot of that is what we see in society today when it comes to several different definitions of truth, right? Everyone claims to be living in their truth. And the reality is it's not the truth, right? There's really only one truth, but most can't accept that. And if you ask me, that's why it comes off as more of the Tower of Babel story. Because God's truth is stone. Humans' truth is brick. Right? So to point and make the point to make in regards to God changing people's names was to let them know that there's their names were designed to build a path or make a path for a destined and new mission in their lives, right? The new name is a way to reveal the divine plan and also to assure them that God's plan will be fulfilled in them. So when we think about truth or any truth, we understand that it must be tested, checked out to see the validity of his proclamation. That's why I believe it's in the book, Timothy or being Peter, where it says that your name will be tested by fire to see if it prevails so we're going to look at a few portions of text that speak about truth right so daniel how about you start it off blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of god blessed are you who hunger now for you will be satisfied blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Yeah, so read that one more time, please. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. So Daniel's reading, obviously, in Luke chapter 6, and he's reading from verse 20 to about 26. Right. So Jesus is declaring that these truths are to people who have certain predicaments. Right. And if we start breaking them down. Right. It says, if you are poor in this life time, no need to worry. The kingdom of God doesn't operate that. way. So, again, 
Jesus is speaking these truths, but he's also providing an explanation. And I'm just going to give you a little deeper explanation to it. Which is why I'm thinking when he says, if you are poor in this life, die. No need to worry. The kingdom of God doesn't operate that way. Why do I think that? Right? When you think about the parable Jesus told us about the story of Lazarus, the rich man, which could be found in the book of Luke, chapter 16, verse 19 to 31, which we will cover at some point. The lesson in short is that earthly possessions are, not, are of no benefit. Earthly possessions are of no benefit in the afterlife. Those who have suffered on earth will receive the reward in heaven. Right? When we think about blessed are you who hunger or you will be satisfied. Hmm, this is a tricky one, but does he mean it literally? Because when I look at the book of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 6, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So having a hunger and a thirst for righteousness in a biblical sense really is the quality of being right in the eyes of God, including your know, character, your nature, the conscience, your attitude, conduct, your actions. Right, righteousness is therefore based upon God's standard because He is the ultimate lawgiver. Right, righteousness as it relates to human standard is in accordance to a specific nation, which is being morally true or justified, and that's based on the behavior, the regulations, or constitutions of the context of that nation. Right, so there's a difference between righteousness and God's perspective, and righteousness in the perspectives of society and the nation that you're. In the midst of, right? There's a difference between righteousness from the godly perspective and righteousness from the perspective of the nation that you're involved in. This is what makes the gospel amazing, right? The gospels provide insight to one thought that is said from one person who wrote in one book and is completed in the other, which shows you why the Bible is consistently viewed as a complete book to those who are looking for truth and understanding. Now, one of the things he says is, blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh, right? So here's another truth from Jesus, right? Sadness won't last always, right? There's a period of time when it comes, and it feels like it won't end, right? When I think about one of the famous public speakers, one of the things Eric Thomas always says, is he says, pain won't last always, right? That eventually it will subside, right? So when you're going through stuff, we have to understand that pain is only temporary. That pain is not something you're going to constantly go through for the rest of your life. Eventually it's going to subside, right? So another thing he says is, blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you. And reject your name as evil because of the son of man. Now, Jesus tells us something important in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 18 through 27. Daniel, could you tell us? If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world will love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But you are no longer a part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world. So it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will 
persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. They will do all of this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. They would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Anyone who hates me also hates my father. If I had done such miraculous signs among them that no one else could do, they would not be guilty. But as it is, they have seen everything I did. Yet, they still hate me and my father. This fulfills what is written in the scriptures. They hated me without cause, but I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the father and will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning ministry now i want you to check out the gospel of john chapter 15 i want you to read that as well unless i go away the advocate will not come to you but if i go i will send him to you when he comes he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment about sin because people do not believe me about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned I have much more to say to you more than you can now bear but when he the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all the truth He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Yes, it is to really get a real understanding of what the holy spirit is a lot of these are rooted in the gospel of john which we will get to at some point but i just wanted you to understand that the truth comes from god and the two that are constantly operating and moving is the son and the holy spirit one point at time i said that the holy spirit is the government god and i spoke about how we lost the government when Adam sinned and Jesus restored us with the government, right? So we have to understand something that I mentioned last week as well about the kingdom of God and the the kingdom mindset. It's the Holy Spirit that provides you the peace, the joy in the Holy Spirit. The peace, the joy that you have and the righteousness that you have comes from the Holy Spirit. He's the one that gives you the peace of mind. He's the one that relaxes you. He's the one that provides you insight. He's the one that convicts you when you're doing wrong. He's the one that stabilizes you, comforts you, assists you, right? That's what the Holy Spirit is. And it's the truth because once the Holy Spirit comes in, you will know it's the truth, right? One of the famous scriptures that I think about all the time is is actually a text where he's talking to Nicodemus. And again, this is found 
more in the Gospel of John, and it talks about that the Holy Spirit, the presence everyone recognizes, because it's like the wind, right? You hear the wind, but you don't recognize it. You know what sound, but you don't know what the experience is. So it's to recognize that the Holy Spirit is present in this in the situation in the predicament, but to actually know what it's like, it happens at the time in which God provides it to those who are willing to accept him and part of accepting him is accepting the holy spirit the truth and everything else that you hear outside of that is where a lot of people start to deny it because they've encountered something that's blown their mind kind of makes them feel like they're in presence of royalty you know so i just wanted to highlight those two verses because he is the ultimate truth right so there are two more ultimate truths that I want to speak about. And I want us to go right back to the center of Luke. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 6, verse 43 through 45. And this is something Jesus said. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from berries. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So I, I love this example because Jesus, what Jesus uses here sort of reminds me of something that Paul mentions I believe is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 21. He says, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. So really what he's trying to tell you is that you can't have good and bad on good and bad fruit on the same tree. Either going to have good fruit or you're going to have bad fruit. I think in another portion of the Gospels, it says salt water. And fresh water can't flow from the same spring, mm. right? This sort of brings back to a lot of the conversation that we have that we had about the wine skin that you can't really have a relation between those two, either you're on one side or you're on the other. Another one that Jesus says you can't serve two masters, money and God, either will hate the other and despise the other or you'll love the other and despise the one or you'll hate the other and neglect the other so mm -hmm. you have to pick one side you can't have a relationship with both right dabble and i yeah and i think one of the most important things that we have that david says is he says i hide that word in my heart so i might not sin against you so the key element here is to make sure that you're constantly feeding your spirit with the right thing Right. And that sort of assists you in doing the right thing. That's what we talked about last week. You know, we have to be not just talkers, but doers. And those are some of the most challenging things that we have to do. And one of the things that I recalled is I have a friend that I talked to, Boca, and he gave another amazing example about that, about encountering people who come in with a, a spirit of negativity. And if you're not humbled, you're not relaxed, you're not in the right state of mind, that person, without an excuse, comes in 
to destroy that peace, to operate in a place to cause chaos and division. And especially in a job environment, we have to be extremely careful about that. We have to be extremely level-headed. So I just want to make sure that we understand that you can't have room for both the devil and God. You have to make room for one. And I understand there's a challenge of trying to do the right thing on a regular basis. And those things take time. But again, it's how much you're willing to feel God's word into your heart, into your spirit, into your mind, and how consistently you have to. And you're going to stumble, right? It's going to be challenging. But the ultimate goal here is that not only are we recognizing what truth is, is that this example that Jesus is providing about truth is highlighting the fact that this is the reality. There is no if, ands, or buts. This is what you have to understand. You can't have two of them. You can only have one. So, lastly, uh, I want to look at Luke chapter 6, verse 47 through 49. This is something that Jesus is having a conversation with. Dane, would you mind? Why do you call me Lord? Lord, and do not do what I say. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and put them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed. And its destruction was complete. So the point is, is that if you're going to clear Jesus Christ as Lord over your life, let the actions and the choices you make speak for itself. When it comes to the example you set, if you are aligning yourself with God, let others see what you represent so that they may know what it is. The example Jesus uses here is all about the foundation you have that determines the longevity of what you stand for and who you serve and how you you are serving. And if you give hope and if that hope that you give pours out the lifestyle that you have chosen to operate in and, and live, all that matters, right? That's all that matters, right? That's That's really what it is. It's all that matters. So. We have to understand that a terrible foundation results in a collapse. A great foundation results in a great structure, right? In the book of Hebrews, we learn that it's that Moses was a, was faithful in all of God's house. But Jesus has been found to be the worthy of the greater honor than Moses. Why? Because he was the builder of the house that has greater honor than the house itself, right? But every house is built by someone. But God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in God's house, bearing witnesses to what will be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son of over God's house. And we are his house. And, and we have to understand indeed that we hold, if we hold firmly to our confidence and hope, then we can expect glory. Right? So that's pretty much what we have for you today. I want you to understand 
the significant importance of names and also understand that the only truth is God's truth and that's the Holy Spirit and that's why he came he came to provide some insight and direction and he wants you to understand that it's not a matter of trying to combine a few things it's really just about allowing him to be the one that drives your ship or your car and if he isn't you're gonna run into issues and problems and even if he is you still have to leave room for him to work and it takes time none of these things we've talked about in terms of operating the truth happens overnight but as long as you understand that you can continue to have hope you can continue to operate with an expectation to be better and then i think without question that's something that you can stand on and again like jesus says it's all about your foundation and upon that foundation how you choose to operate in it so now we head into continuing the devotional time so i'll be reading today's devotion and the one thing i want to say about this is we should start in proverbs chapter 4 verses verse 18 the path of the righteous is like the morning sun shining ever brighter to the full light of day so let god light for you your path you may seem unclear at times but if you stay close to god living in his presence you'll share in his spirit and his holiness you may not feel all that enlightened or righteous most much of the time but as long as you're seeking the Lord and doing your best to obey him, he will hear your prayers, guide you, and protect you. Then slowly but surely, just as the initial glow in the sky at dawn gives away to the full light of day, the sun will rise and God's blessing will be manifest in your life. It may take a while and you may have to walk cautiously at first, feeling your way in the semi-darkness but God has promised to be with you, so he will be. And for me, that just means make sure that your faith is unwaverable. You know, a lot of the times when things aren't going right or you are putting God first in your life and allowing him to make his way for you, the challenges and obstacles that you get in life are going to want to make you go away from that path a lot of things are meant to set you off course and to keep you unfocused but if you have faith that path and these challenges are something you're going to look forward to encountering and it's something that you're going to try and rise to the occasion in order to tackle on a regular basis the bible says that jesus god's son is the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. And that can be found in John chapter 1, verses 9. Walk in this truth, and you won't be in the darkness. And I'll go ahead and pray us out as well. Dear Father, please lead me in the way I should go. Make it clear that you're with me by giving light to my path. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. 
everybody have a blessed week and keep the faith.